And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, that was uh, obviously an excellent team win for us. Um, boy, I'm just uh, so happy for our players. You know, it's it's been um, you know a year through um, a lot of ups and downs. So you know, just so gratifying to see see these men get the victory today because they damn well earned it. That's for sure. Uh, Minnesota, excellent football team, playing very well. You know, we knew this was going to be a slugfest. Coming in here, so you know the run, the run defense, and going up against the run offense, and you know it was definitely a battle. Uh, we have great respect for Devin Cook and, and what they bring to the table. So um, you know we battled, had some in, in and out things here in the secondary uh, second half, but just love the fight uh, of the defense and offensively. You know we did a good job of staying balanced. That was, that was the the goal coming in here, and and uh, you know special teams I think was. Was pretty much a you know uh, a, a wash. It was a, a balance balance there. So excellent team win. Uh, feel very good about what we accomplished today. Obviously, we're coming off this win. It's going to be a quick quick turnaround uh, for the Thanksgiving game against Washington. So definitely took a big step in the right direction. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Indeed. Well, that was nice, wasn't it? The Cowboys getting back into the win column, following the bye, and you know, with this division, literally anything can happen. They looked like themselves, Andy Dalton looked like Andy Dalton, and man, we'll have to see what happens after a short week against the Washington football team. Dallas might be in the lead in the NFC East, and then who knows what could happen from there. Welcome in to About Them Cowboys, where we will discuss it all. I'm Kent Garrison, producing... Welcoming in the best of the best when it comes to covering America's team. And we've got a special panel for you for this episode to break down this game. And first, we're welcoming back to the show from the USA Today. You can follow her on Twitter at Jory Epstein. It's Jory Epstein. Hey, welcome back, Jory. You bet. Thanks for having me on, guys. Happy to be here. Awesome. Happy to have you. And we're also welcoming back, as always, the father of all things Dallas Cowboys here at The Athletic. Father, John Mishota, and... Your trusted host, Kevin KT Turner. KT, I remember our prediction episode a couple of days ago. I think, you know, John and I, maybe somebody else had the Vikings scoring 28 points, nailed that part. What we didn't nail was the Cowboys rolling up in there with 31 points. I mean, that that took me by surprise. Yeah, I think uh, the 14 was the highest point total we had for the Cowboys, all four of us, <laughs> including really, really, uh Yeah, we really trust what we were seeing out there. <laughs> Well, look, uh, actually, look, actually, hold is... up, hold up. No, I do trust what I'm seeing out there. And that's exactly why I picked that score. Yeah. Why did. would you expect oh. Donovan Wilson to get multiple takeaways? I use logic. I'm not a fan. I use logic. There's yeah. no reason that you would have predicted that game. The evidence, that way. the evidence only suggested what we predicted. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah. hey, if we're just going to go off that game, then I guess we got a pro bowl safety in Donovan Wilson. Let's just plan on that going forward. He's their hitman, John. Didn't you hear? No, I've I've heard, but I just don't understand why. Like, and I see the I see the beginning stages of it, but that doesn't mean that anybody that is using logic should have picked the Cowboys to win that game. 
I don't know, man. I think now safety is taken care of and we don't have to address right. it ever. Just right. kidding. <laughs> um, if in 2016 I told you guys that Des Bryant would be a Raven, Jason Witten would be a Raider, Tom Brady would be a Buccaneer, that Ryan Tannehill and Phillip Rivers would be playing for the AFC South, that Andy Dalton would be leading the 3-7 and seven Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day against the 3-7 and seven Washington football team for – what could be the division lead? What would you guys have said to me? Start with you, John. Oh, uh, sure. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of parody in the NFL. Anything's possible. Uh, <laughs> you would not have said that. I you would say you're crazy. Out of all, out of all those things, probably Des Bryant with the Ravens would surprise me the most. Um, the Andy Dalton thing's not that surprising, just because he's from TCU. So I'd actually put like. Dak suffering the injury that he did would be pretty high on that list. I just didn't think that that was a possibility. I mean, I could see him, you know, getting a minor injury, but not something that that serious. So, uh, I don't know. I still. What year did you say you'd ask this in? 2016. Yeah, 2016. If you would have told me uh, Jameis Winston wouldn't be on the Buccaneers, he would be the backup to Drew Brees. Drew Brees would fracture 11 ribs, and he wouldn't start over Taysom Hill. That would be my biggest surprise from 2016. <laughs> um, so we won, like, or the Cowboys won. I'd say we. The Cowboys won. No, you uh, won, KT. You won. <laughs> I mean, I I won because. I like chaos. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't – I hate – I mean, I really hate when it's October and then into November and everyone's talking about next year. I hate that. I just – maybe that's the um, – that that's the uh, my personality of, uh, hey, man, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. That's kind of the way I usually attack life. So uh, now I sound like Jason Garrett. Yeah, um, you take it day by but, day, KT? Take it day by day. Yes. <laughs> Uh, no, I had some great blueberries, actually. and uh, But we're going to attack this podcast in all three phases. Okay, we know the Garrett stuff. Um, I, I, I want to say this and get this off the top. I still don't think this is a good team, and I don't think really anyone does, right? Minnesota is awful, but I, I will say this. There was something that stood out to me, and it happened really once you found, found out the night before or, or once you started getting the feeling that Zach Martin was going to move to right tackle. And I started going, okay, that's a positive sign. And I'm not saying that Connor McGovern is the difference. And I'm not saying any of that, but it's like, now they're making adjustments that they should have made a month ago. Why is this happening now? Does anyone have a feeling of why that happened? Because I felt better about the game. Once I found out that they were moving Zach Martin to right tackle. Oh, Jory, you go first. Well, I think a couple things. First of all, yeah, when they said that Zach Martin was going to be at right tackle, that Bradley and I and, and who's a Reggie Robinson weren't even active. I'm like, this is not a team that is starting. They were never going to try to lose, but they might have tried to play their developmental players to get them ready for 2021. And that is not what was going on yesterday or that was not their primary focus. Um, so, yeah, I think, first of all, I will never forget that Mike McCarthy told us that moving right guard Zach Martin to tackle was, quote, fantasy football nonsense. And apparently that's what it takes to win a game for the Dallas Cowboys in 2020. Um, I will also say, yeah, I think that they just did several things that you're like, okay. I mean, I think from a timing standpoint, the bye week was a factor. Um, I know there are people who are saying, did Steven and Jerry go in there and be like, hey, Mike, do we have our best five out there? Okay, why not? Um, and I think that that is very plausible. So 
I think that McCarthy wanted to do things his way, but it is very clear after what we saw the run game do yesterday and the time that Andy had in the pocket that this is the offensive line you need to be going with over Terrence Steele and Zach Martin. Yeah, and I don't buy any of the coaching staff excuses. Uh, Zach Martin, we've seen him mid-game move over to right tackle and do just fine. So um, try that with somebody else. Maybe that works. Maybe I'd believe it. But I literally, I don't buy any of that. Um, excuses on that are the same excuses of why did Don Terry Post start for the first seven games? I mean, it just, they, they make zero sense. Um, and so that th- these will be brought up definitely when we wrap up the season and and talk about decisions that just left us scratching our head. But Zach Martin should have been at right tackle as soon as they figured out that Lyle Collins was done for the season. I mean, it'd be one thing if if you had, let's say you had Lyle or you had Tyron, and then you're just like, well, no, let's move Cam Irving over there. He's a veteran. I mean, he's he's whatever. He's not going to be that great. But you you put an undrafted rookie free agent who wait for it didn't even play well when he was in those games and you let him start for nine straight weeks over Zach Martin. And, and I don't know that Zach Martin is a pro bowl, right? Tackle. He's probably pretty close, but I thought, I thought one of the biggest takeaways from that game were the fact that you never really heard about the offensive line at all. And the one sack that Andy Dalton did take was on him. You know I mean? He even yeah. took blame for that. So, um, you know, it, this is the right decision. It should have been made a lot sooner though. You know, for me, I, I too, I, I want to see what Connor McGovern has. And I understand that McCarthy and some of his staff may not have ties to that, but it's still Will McClay and Steven and Jerry who drafted Connor McGovern in the third round. You know, they owe it to find out what he is. Um, so I think that, that that was like important as well. And it felt like it always felt weird to me that we were going out of our way to find out what undrafted free agent um, Terrence still has. And maybe almost ignoring what we might have with with Connor McGovern. Now that's neither here nor there. That's just my opinion. It doesn't matter. Um, let's talk about you know the running game, which appeared to be uh, much improved yesterday. Obviously, the big Tony Pollard run stands out. But Zeke uh, had his longest run of the year yesterday. Had a little bit more burst yesterday. I'll say this: Minnesota's terrible, just a terrible run defense. And you know, but there were holes there yesterday that that haven't been there whether that's the change of the offensive line, whether that's a bad Minnesota defense, it was there. And that's a positive sign going forward because they need that to work. Otherwise, Andy Dalton's not going to have a chance back there. You know what I really liked about Zeke in that game is I like that he did get some big runs and he didn't do the feed me gesture because it's not, that's not time for that. You know, I mean, obviously many of people get annoyed by Jalen Smith doing the swipe after he misses five plays and then makes one okay one. I thought I, I really thought that was interesting. And Zeke hasn't really been doing that. And I think it just shows that he's really locked in, uh, that he's not looking at just like, oh, I had one big play. Look at me. Like he knows he's a bigger part of this offense. And and I I saw a very motivated Ezekiel Elliott in that game. And in fact, I thought that was Ezekiel Elliott's best game since week one. And I thought he started out in a similar way. And I'm sure we'll talk about this, but like kudos to Kellen Moore for, for getting him involved early. I mean, just like the Rams game, that throw to the right, he got the touchdown, a play we have not seen at all this season. Uh, such a smart, uh, just a formation that was perfect because it had two tight ends out in front of him. So even if that play doesn't get a touchdown, it's going to get at least four or five yards. I, I really like that play call. Uh, and I just thought Zeke ran hard. You know, I mean, we, I think we should know by now he's not going to get the big runs that we saw his rookie year and even the year after that, but he was physical and much in the way that you saw Delvin cook and how he's physical for Minnesota, that does set a tone and that will 
take an impact going into the fourth quarter. And I, and I just thought he started to wear out their defense. And then obviously, you know, Tony Pollard with the home run there. But uh, yeah, I thought that was, I would put that as Zeke's second best game of the season behind the Rams game. Yeah, I think he was definitely productive. Like John said, he he was gashing them. And what was it? He had 2.6 yards per carry last year against this team. And then it was, I think, I believe it was 4.9 last night. So he was ripping off like 10, 15 yards up the middle, sometimes finding these lanes. We talked to him about the role of Zach Martin in clearing those lanes. And he said, we just kept running behind Zach and he kept opening things up. Um, and then it's funny, I know that Zeke posted to Instagram after the game and Dak commented on it. Yes, sir. Way to lead 21. And I do think Zeke was leading. And I think that Zeke has been one of the few consistent leaders on this team throughout the season. And Zeke was even happier for Tony Pollard when he had success than he was for himself. And that sets the tone for your team. No, absolutely. Uh, what did you guys think of, of the quarterback play as a whole for Mandy Dalton? I thought he was pretty good. I mean, there's definitely two or three throws that could have been intercepted. Uh, the one that did get it, got intercepted, I thought that was a great play by Eric Hendricks. Mm-hmm. Um, it still shouldn't. Have, I mean, it still was behind his his receiver. But I believe the more time that they play together, the more you know on the same page that those guys are going to get. And he obviously hasn't been playing for the last few weeks, and so um, I guess the ones that it surprised me, or the one that impressed me most, was the fourth down throw to Amari Cooper and even Eric Kendricks pointed that out after the game, how tough that throw is because yeah, it's a 10 yard gain on paper, but that's like a 25 yard throw. Cause he has to throw across the field and really the, he had to hit that. I mean, the game's over if he doesn't. And, and that ball was right on Amari Cooper. Amari ran a good route. Um, I thought, I did think it was interesting that he did it on Jeff Gladney, who is a TCU guy. Andy Dalton's very familiar with. I thought that was like one of the first guys Andy Dalton went up to uh, after the game. So um, you just you could tell that that was the play the entire time. I thought that was a great throw. His three throws in a row to Amari Cooper right uh, before half uh, on the left side um, after the Jalen Smith fumble return that set him up for the field goal. I thought that those were huge. And, and I'll be honest with you, it's, he's not going to be remembered on this play. But C.D. Lamb's a freak show. But you still have to be good enough to put him in a position to make a freak show play. You know, like... Um, I, you know, I'm from Michigan, but on Saturdays, my favorite team is Florida State. My second favorite team is anybody who's playing Michigan. So I watch a lot of Michigan games. And Michigan started out this season with this this quarterback, Joe Milton, and everybody was hyped about him. And then recently they've gone to this Cade McNamara who has come off the bench and he he just gives his receivers a chance. And and they're they're sometimes they're bad throws, but sometimes they're just they're they're tough balls that gives his guys just a chance to make a play. And that, that's something Andy Dalton is going to do better than any Garrett Gilberts or Ben DiNucci's. And so you're going to have to take the good with the bad. There's going to be some bad throws. But he also is going to give his guys a lot more opportunities to make plays on the ball. And really, I thought he got so many guys involved, and that was big too because they were just spreading the ball out, and it was hard to just key on the one guy. But obviously, his rapport with Amari Cooper uh, just seems to be on, in, in the right place right now, and, and you saw that on Sunday. Yeah, I think that's something we've seen a lot in recent years is the Cowboys staying competitive in the games. Again, I'm speaking when Dak Prescott was still the quarterback um, and really making a push and then not finishing the job. And so it was just refreshing to see this team finish the job. It was refreshing to see the key throws or the key runs at the end of the game be made, the defense actually getting that stop. And yeah, I think what John's saying, some of these little things that Andy did to just keep moving the chains, even if it is just those extra three points before halftime, which again, you they should have been six or seven, but to have that in, in a game like this is, is key. And 
And another one I'll say is in the fourth quarter, and I asked Andy about this after the game, and I, I thought it was funny, but the, the pass he technically threw to himself, which John had a great video on Twitter of where it's just bouncing off all these guys. And on one hand, it was humorous, and Andy's joking, oh, yeah, I really got myself involved in the passing game. But something like that, the difference between turning the ball over and making that play, he really needed the instincts there when a lot was going on. Um, and I think that some of that is what you get with the experience, which is why the coaches want Andy Dalton in there. I think I've like lowered my expectations too, to like uh, earlier in the year before Dak got hurt. It's like, man, the Cowboys have got to get a lead and then get a lead. And then when it's like, if the Cowboys could just not be behind by a lot and the running game can like, be there to support everything, then they can keep the defensive line off of Andy Dalton. He did have a little time because they were running the ball a little bit. They were able to kind of, uh, you know, and the pass protection was pretty good. And, and quite frankly, Minnesota is not the past defense that they've been over the last few years. Um, and there are a couple things I was thinking about as it happened during the game was while we know Andy uh, Dalton is this like veteran who's been around for a long time, it's not like he's been playing plus the concussion plus COVID. Like there's a few things that might make your, your head a little foggy, like everything together. Like I'm not saying it's like a, like a rookie mistake when, when Eric Kendricks makes a great play, but he kind of threw it behind Dalton Schultz, but that's the type of thing where maybe he sees that on film and it just clicks on Thursday or in two weeks against Baltimore or whatever, those throws that may not happen again. It's not like he's been playing a lot. And I think that's like important to remember when you see him make a couple of mistakes. Now I know there's a play at the end of the game where he nearly threw an interception uh, when Dalton Schultz was coming in on the slant route. And I remember I was just, I was just like run it because I was trying to run clock at the time too. I didn't want to, like score too fast, but I would have been happy with any score. All right, hold, it, like, hold, on, hold they, on, Why are they throwing it? Hold on right there, okay. Everything you're saying, you know what that really reminds me of? And and, and that goes with the play, too. It's really that interception that, that sealed the uh, that Patriots Super Bowl over the Seahawks when Russ threw it. That's what that play yeah. reminded me of. We threw the inside. Everyone's like, they should have given it to Marshawn Lynch. And I think it was Malcolm Butler jumped that route. That's exactly what that reminded me of, you know. I mean, it was it wasn't a great ball. Andy shouldn't have thrown that. I think he knows that, and that would have been that would have been the game. But um, I, I like I said, I still think he gives them a way better chance, and he gives all their weapons a better chance of being involved. And I've asked Amari Cooper this before, and he can say whatever he wants, but I just find it hard to believe that guys go out there when you're playing with like a it's even a second or third string quarterback, and you're just running hot, hard route out there every single play, knowing I'm probably not getting the ball. You know, I'm just running. I'm gonna just keep running. I'm just keep running. You got to get the ball every once in a while just to keep your, you know, your energy up. Like, hey, I got to keep going. I got to keep going. One of these are going to come my way. One of these are come my way. If you don't think that your quarterback can ever eventually get you one of those, then, you know, I, I just find it hard to believe psychologically that doesn't affect your play. And I just felt like all the receivers were were dialed in. I mean, Michael Gallup got off to a shaky start. He had that one ball near the sideline that he should have caught. Uh, probably would have got them more points early on. Uh, I think it was on third down. That was a huge drop right there, but I thought he battled back and he he made some big catches too. And, and obviously Dalton Schultz and they're just everybody was getting involved on offense. And so, like I said, a lot of a lot of that praise should go to Kellen Moore. I thought he called one of the best games as as Cowboys offensive coordinator. But Andy Dalton deserves a lot of credit for spreading that ball around too. How about that two point conversion p- call? Oh, Kellen Moore's two point that Zeke toss. Oh my gosh, that was beautiful. Kellen Moore's two point conversion calls all season have been have been pretty good and. Um, I thought it was interesting that, so that play obviously worked and it was great. And there was, I mean, that was flawless. So on the, on the, 
the play right before the Dalton Schultz game winner, they ran that same play again, but they ran it to the left side as opposed to the right. And so CD came in motion like that. And I just thought it was funny that Jonathan Vilma was like, why would they bring CD back over there like that? It's just going to bring another defender in the box. It's like, no, he was running that because the first one worked so well on that two-point conversion. So they're back in the red zone. This is on the play right before the game winner to Dalton Schultz. And they run it to Zeke to the left. But instead of Zeke pitching it, Zeke just keeps it. And he didn't get a touchdown. Obviously, he got down to like the one or two yard line, whatever it was. But I just liked the way that they went both of them. We just, it was refreshing to see plays that we have not seen run all season. And I think when you look at Dalton Schultz's touchdown at the game for that game winner, sure, it might have been a blown coverage, and I don't know exactly what every Vikings defender's assignment was, but I think it speaks to the fact that, no, when you're getting Amari and Michael Gallup and Dalton Schultz, or, yeah, and Dalton Schultz and Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, I mean, too many guys at some point, they're just trying to maximize their options, and so they cover these other guys tightly, and what do you know, Dalton's right there. It's funny, Mike Zimmer's a defensive guy, and Mike Zimmer had no idea after the game even what happened on that. He did. Yeah. I mean, it was like the, one of his shortest answers he gave was like, I don't know, it was like a pick play or something. I'm just like, either he's not calling somebody out, which is probably the case, but I was like, probably. he had to have seen what happened there. You can't have a guy running wide open. Like, not only is he running wide open, but he's clapping. And that might not seem to, like much to you, but... Go watch some of these videos that they've posted on like the Cowboys Instagram accounts. Like these games when nobody's in the fan in the stands, like you can hear it like crystal clear, like when he's clapping. Like you wouldn't be able to hear that in a normal game, especially in Minnesota. The crowd would have been so loud down there, down there, like on the two yard line, whatever it was. And he's clapping and you can hear it clear as day. Like you can hear everything that they say to each other. Like it's it's just really weird. It seems like it's almost like a practice. Now you don't hear that when you're watching TV. They have some of that crowd noise in there. But on the field, like some of that video from on the field, like it sounds just like as a practice. And he's clapping and nobody's going over there near him. So obviously it was a blown coverage. But hey, great call by Kellen Moore. It was a perfect time for that play. And Dalton Schultz even said after the game that he was like, as soon as they called it, he knew that there was a good chance he was going to score on that play. So obviously, like I said about the, the, the CD Lamb play earlier, these these plays don't just come out of nowhere. A lot of these plays come from something that happened earlier in the game that they use to set up something that they can use later in the game. And I thought Callum Moore did a great job with that throughout. Oh, so also something that came from earlier in the year that they had picked up on tape from Minnesota. I mean, this game's about deception and, and misdirection. That's why I loved on the fourth and one play where they handed it on the, just the jet sweep to CD Lamb to get the first down. And this just will pay off a month from now when teams are watching on tape. And every time CD Lamb's in motion, you have to consider the fact that he might get the ball. I mean, this is what San Francisco does so well when they're healthy. Uh, you know, they don't really do it well when Nick Mullins is their quarterback. But like, it's it's very you've made it, you're making it hard on defenses. And we complained about that for so many years. It feels like under Linehan. And I've been a little frustrated, uh, or not. I don't know. Frustrated is probably not the word. But I always like perk up when like someone in the media or even fans are like kind of hard on Kellen Moore. I'm like. I don't really think Kellen Moore is even really a small part of any of the problems. Like Kellen Moore didn't fumble all these times earlier in the in the season to put you behind in some of these games. Like to me, over the span of two years, and we have to remember that he's still young and growing into this role. I think Kellen Moore's a pretty good play caller. And maybe it takes little wins like yesterday to to fully realize that, but I've always kind of been on board with Kellen being the play caller. Um, I was kind of kind of nervous that when they hired Mike McCarthy, that Mike McCarthy would be the play caller. In fact, I was a little surprised because I know that's something Mike McCarthy likes to do. Um, he even said it. I mean, he admitted that it's a little uncomfortable for him 
not calling plays. I think they've got their play caller moving forward and someone who I think Dak respects a lot too. Um, so I think that's, that's all, that's all important. I think it's very important to touch on the topic that, that Kellen had a good day calling plays. Um, but let's be honest, CD lamb, good Lord. That is, you know, this is, this is my whole thing. And I'm not, I'm not somebody who's going to like scold you on how to be a fan. I want to be real honest here. I might do it if I'm trolling just a little bit. But, like, man, it's really good that the Cowboys tanked for C.D. Lamb last year. That's my problem with the tank crowd, right? It's my problem right now. Like, it's all open and it's all happening. You didn't tank for C.D. Lamb. He fell into your lap. Uh, And I understand what their argument is, and we don't have to go back and forth. I get it. It's all being rational. That guy is a monster. And it makes you go, man, they wouldn't have signed Amari Cooper if they knew that they were going to get C.D. Lamb to fall into their laps. That catch is insane, but really, he was the catalyst outside of Zeke. He was the catalyst of the offense yesterday. Yeah, I, I liked McCarthy saying after the game, he's like, I'm just so happy that C.D. Lamb is a cowboy and that we got him. I think that he knows that it was by no means a given that this team that really needed defensive help in the draft was going to spend that on a receiver. And, and yeah, I mean, you look at those angles and – and we talked to CD about this, it's not just that he was able to make the catch. He practices and would just grow up in his backyard contorting his body in weird angles to be ready for a moment like that. And I think that's the kind of guy you want. And, and yeah, would they have re-signed Amari if they knew CD was coming? Perhaps not. And they, they do have some outs after a couple of years with his contract. But I think that pairing CD's natural gifts, which are outstanding in his work ethic with Amari's mentorship really is an amazing combination. Yeah. And I don't know what Caleb on Chason would really be doing. I know it, obviously you'd rather have him uh, working into the rotation than maybe some of the other guys you have, but he certainly wouldn't be starting on this team. And so uh, that would have been the guy if they didn't take CD lamb and, you know, maybe over, the long haul, maybe Caleb on chase on develops into like one of the league's best pass rushers. But, uh, I just, I find it very hard to believe that you or not hard to believe. I just, I find it hard that anybody could be critical of the CD lamb pick because here's the thing like that catch and, and the way he's been playing and things like that, that, that's all great. But like, that's not, it's not like we've seen the whole book. Like there's so much more that he has to offer. Like we're just seeing him scratch the surface. I mean, the guy is a legitimate freak show who, as long as he has a decent quarterback, he's shown it doesn't even matter who it is. I mean, he literally clicks with whoever his quarterback is going back to his days at Oklahoma. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to be critical of that. It is funny, though, KT, that you bring up the uh, talking about being able to get him and not tanking. So so last night I just got done writing, and KT, I saw, responded to one of my tweets, like, put up that poll again of asking fans. So on Wednesday I put up a poll asking – what do you want the Cowboys to do the rest of the way? And so 6,700 people voted. 69% said lose and get the best pick. So 31% said try and win the NFC East. But literally, okay, so that's on Wednesday. Last night after the game, it was like almost a complete flip. 7,000 votes, and now it's 63% say try to win the NFC East, and only 37% say lose and get the best pick. So, Oh, my God. Come yeah. on, people. People hey, were, be convicted, you know, that's, that's what I'm saying. Just be convicted, you know, like, you know, pick a, you know what I think helps is, go with it. <laughs> you know, you said earlier in the show, and, and I think because of our backgrounds and, and the teams that we grew up watching, we've seen a lot of the Vikings. I think you're a little too critical on them. I don't think that they're a bad team, to be honest with you. I think their offense is really impressive. And yeah. I thought the Cowboys were pretty fortunate even to get two stops late against that offense because it took a Justin Jefferson drop 
He's a freak show. Adam Thielen, freak show. Delvin Cook, freak show. Kyle Rudolph, still a pretty solid tight end. And Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins played his ass off. I mean, he had over 300 yards passing, three touchdowns, a 140 QBR, I mean, or passer rating. He, I mean, he was good too. Their offense has has weapons on it. And I knew that that wasn't going to be an easy thing. And so the reason I'm saying is that is because that factors in. If they would have won 31-28 over the Giants or Washington or maybe even the Eagles, I don't know that people feel this way, but the way that, that the Vikings have been playing lately and to go up yeah. to Minnesota, even though I know fans weren't in the stands, to get that win against Mike Zimmer, who you know is going to have a pretty solid defense and they have offensive weapons, I think that also factors in. And then the other part is just the way they've played these last three games. It seems like you know they're building and the momentum's he- heading in the right direction for them as opposed to if they just had one fluke game and they won. Right. Mike McCarthy loves to say that teams need to be playing their best football in November and December, and he talks about the trend lines. And this team, even though they weren't winning the last two games, they're playing their best football of the season in November so far. And again, it's one of those things where you're like, are they a good team? No, they have not shown us enough to yet to look like a good team, although yesterday was a step in the right direction. But even if you think that their quality of opponent wasn't very strong in Minnesota yesterday, okay, well, other than Baltimore, who has some of its own issues right now, they've got Washington, Cincinnati, San Francisco, Philly, and the Giants. No teams with winning records except for Baltimore, who, who's been in a slump lately to some degree. So if they if that's all it takes is to, is to beat average opponents, they have a pretty decent chance, I think, at the division. And that's the whole thing. I, I, I had a quick uh, phone conversation with uh, our old buddy Brian Broaddus last night, uh, who does the the pre and post game. Um, and I was like talking to him, and he was like, "Do you think this is a really good team?" And I said, "No, I don't think it's a good team." But look at everyone who they have to go up against. Like, not only who they have to play in their division. Cincinnati just lost their quarterback. We know San Francisco is just a, a mess right now with all of their injuries and everything they're facing. And it's like when you look at what they have left compared to what the Eagles have left, who the Eagles have, I believe, the Seahawks. I think they have the Packers next week. Like, Eagles have some trouble. Well, I think Washington and, and, and Dallas on Thursday, quite frankly, is a coin flip to me right now. But, like, it's really not out of this world. And this is the whole thing. I, I mentioned this on one of last week's podcasts, and I apologize uh, for our hardcore fans who are hearing this again. I but think I, I am the to... hardcore fan. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, well, like, comes... John, you said this and this today. He's like, I don't remember what I said. Yeah. Here comes something you might have heard before. But look, last week on, on my radio show on 97.1 The Eagle, we have Travis Frederick on every Wednesday at 3 o'clock. He calls in. It's fun to hear Travis talk about this stuff because he's a little removed from it, but you can still ask him things. And I asked him about the 2015 season when – Tony got hurt and they were just kind of out of it. It felt like from a fan standpoint or just following the team, like they don't have a chance to win the division, but mathematically they always did. And he was talking about their mood going in was like, well, honestly, we would just look at the standings and see that we were one game out. So we never really came with their heads down. And that's how these players are going to be, you know, and, and maybe that took some getting rid of some people who maybe, maybe not totally, but a little bit to do with things, but like these guys all know that their division sucks. They all know the teams in their division suck, and they all think they are better than what their record shows. And that's where you go back to what did you think about the team at the first of the year and maybe a couple of those games when they were with Dak, maybe uh, you, you know, reduce some turnovers and a couple things go your way. Maybe you do sneak out a couple of games and things are a little different. It's it's very – it's like – it's kind of what you mentioned earlier, John, the parity of the league is so prominent 
that, yeah, being three and seven can feel like you're five and five if a couple things go your way. This team does not look like a five and five team. What do you watch a week in and week out? I'm not saying that, but I'm saying there's enough there to see how they could go win out against a very weak schedule, not win out, but they could go win games against a very weak schedule and make the playoffs and then not be surprised. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll be honest, I'll break down. Okay. On both sides of the ball. If, if they were to stay healthy right now, their offense is good enough to, as long as they keep progressing, um, with Andy Dalton as the quarterback, if you can keep that offensive line together and, and avoid any major injuries, keep those wide receivers out there, Zeke, Tony Pollard, and Andy Dalton continues to get on the same page of these receivers. I think you're, you're on offense. You're good enough to beat good teams. Okay. Um, special teams. I think you're, you're, you're pretty much there. I'd say they're probably middle of the pack. Uh, they don't need Tony Pollard uh, taking balls five yards deep in the end zone out. Just go ahead and just take that, Tony. We, you're not going to be bringing that thing to the house. We don't need you starting out on the 10-yard line anymore. Uh, those things matter. We'll go back and look at just how oh, bad man. that drive was after that happened. Don't do that stuff. Um, who's breaking big tackles and getting big-time kickoff returns anymore in the NFL anyway? No, he's not that guy. Defense, though. It's really just on the back end. And that, and if you had Trayvon Diggs healthy, you'd feel a lot better there. But there's just, I mean, anytime Minnesota went play action, any Cowboys fan that says that they weren't sitting there. Oh, I, was, what, I almost said something I shouldn't say. Don't, don't even give <laughs> me that. Don't even give me this, that you weren't terrified of what was about to happen. Obviously, to Justin Jefferson, 39-yard touchdown pass, that should that that was one of them. But there were several plays where you're just sitting there, and, and because you're not watching, you can't see the entire field, you're just like, oh, man, when they when they go to the full camera, camera I know there's going to be somebody running wide open back. And a lot of times there were. That That's pretty terrifying. So the back end, is that scares you. Anthony Brown's got a rib injury. Cheetah was targeted quite often. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't look great. So there's those issues there. But I will say, on defense... The front seven is getting better, particularly that defensive line. Demarcus Lawrence has played some of his best ball these last few weeks. And so uh, Alden Smith, at, at times you forget he's on the field, and then other times you're just like, damn, there's Alden Smith. That was a huge play there. He had that run stop late on the final drive, and Alden Smith, I mean, on uh, uh, Delvin Cook to stop him for no gain. I mean, he's he'll make a play on you here and there. Um, so, I mean, if you can bring along Randy Gregory and get some more out of him, like I, I do think that the defensive line has improved quite a bit. The back end is the thing that scares me. Yeah, I think the defensive line looks better. And I think that, and Demarcus Lawrence's stat line wasn't bad, but I think that there were so many plays that I was like, Demarcus was the game changer on that play. And then you look at the way that they recorded and I'm like, okay, no, no, no. Why are we giving that to Jalen? Why are we giving that to so-and-so? And yeah. I, I'm not, I mean, Demarcus tells us he's not concerned about sacks until he has a ring. That's what he said Wednesday. So I'm sure he's fine with whatever. And I give him credit. He was like praising Jalen afterwards for when Donovan Wilson forced that fumble of Dalvin Cook. It like bounces around Demarcus gets the ball, but he's not really in position to return it. So Jalen just like picks it up out of Demarcus's hands and, and runs back 21 yards, which it was very funny. And I think there was a lot of irony for a lot of fans who are watching, but I will say that's key. And, and what you were saying, John, about some of these, these special teams and the returns, the field position is just so much better for the offense. And so I think they're not shooting themselves in the foot from the beginning, whether it's offense, not turning the ball over or defense, Get, giving a little more help, and that makes a difference. I'll, I'll, I can make an argument going against the Jalen Smith play, though, and that's that um, you guys aren't the 2000 Ravens. Like, you guys are not the, the John Gruden Buccaneers. Like, 
you came into that game with seven takeaways. You know what? Go ahead and just fall on that one. Just be happy that you even got one. Like, you guys don't cause many. Like, and you can't tell me that coaches don't coach that, too. I know that, you know, there's some teams, like I say, like, man, there was times where, like, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, they would take that, and they would turn that into something else. And, but with this, this Cowboys team, who, I mean, just let's be real here. How surprised would you have been if while Jalen's running, he gets the ball knocked out of his hands, and then the, the Vikings get the ball Damn. back? Like, go ahead and just fall on the ground. I, I, even if you don't get points, just be happy that you got the takeaway. That, that, there was just parts of some of that stuff where if they start building some momentum and they were getting two, three takeaways a game, like going forward, that's one thing. But this team, just be happy with what you have and just fall on the ball. While we're on the topic of Jalen, so it's funny. The way that they've been doing these post-game availabilities when they're away is we talked to probably, what, like four or five players in, in McCarthy and then the team will send us quotes from a handful more. And so Jalen was someone yesterday who, who Leighton was available to us, but not Jalen. So I'm reading these Jalen quotes after that they sent us. And one of his, his lines, and it's funny, I, was, I kept being like, am I sure I got this right? But this is what they sent us, is it's a one-game season each week. That's our focus. We're going to go 7-0. and We got the Redskins next on Thanksgiving. Looking forward to it. And it's like, what about one game season and we're going to go seven and oh, don't add up. And I kept being nervous. Like I literally was dreaming about it that I just like screwed up the quote. But no, that's what they gave us. And I, I had to take their word for it if they're not going to give them to us directly. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's interesting, but that from DeMarcus saying, don't get this twisted. We're a good team on Wednesday to Jalen telling us yesterday, we're going to go seven and no. This defense, despite the fact that most of the day the Vikings had their way with them, particularly in the second half, they are not short on confidence. Wait, so they sent a quote and didn't edit out the actual team name of the Washington football team? Oh, yeah, that too. That was the other thing. It's funny you say that because I started to tweet it and then I I, I deleted it, although I guess I just read it aloud. But, yeah, they they kept that. They kept the seven. I mean, there's just a lot to unpack in, like, those 20 words. That's a little half-ass. Um, like, let's get the team name right. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, no, they're not going 7-0. and um, <laughs> Are you sure? Jalen said they were. We did this exercise last week when we said, how many more games do you think they'll win? And I think I picked the most. I said they'll win three games. To go five and eleven and and miss and and not make the playoffs, but now, my God, dude, I'm I'm sorry, Philadelphia, that is bad, such a mess, and Washington. I mean, the Giants might be the might have the best chance, which that sounds insane. Um, I want to go back to something you said a minute ago, Jory, about flipping the field. You know, we were talking about field position. I meant to bring this up when we were talking about CD Lamb. He had two punt returns that really did. Uh, you look like the punt return average you're in and you're out. It's very rarely more than like three yards, like the average punt return because of fair catches and things like that. Like you, it's rarely a chance to make a play. That's another element to CD lamb that we really got to see on display yesterday when he was able to take a couple plays where they would have had the ball around the 20 or 25 yard line. And they ended up having the ball at the 40. You have to have that when you have a backup quarterback that helps so much. And that's something I just wanted to go back and hit because, uh, you know, we were talking about C.D. Lamb earlier. That's another element to, that that changes. You know, it changes it changes a lot when when Dak's out. Yeah, and and the thing about him that impressed me in that game, and he's done it throughout the season, but particularly in this game, was just how physical he was. Because it's hard to take a lot from what he did at Oklahoma and then translate it to the NFL. Because let's be honest, what they're doing on defense in the Big Twelve, that just stuff isn't going to work. I mean, he was you open look at, all the time. He was open all the time. You look at some of those highlights of. I know there were multiple ones, sorry, Jory, but against Texas where he would catch a short pass and he would just, like a guy would just fling off of him and he would just turn it into like a 70-yard gain and you're just like, that stuff just doesn't work in the NFL. We haven't seen that from him. I think some people thought he was just going to be breaking tackles right and left. And I mean, I just, he's kind of like a thinner guy. I know he's trying to add weight, but to be as physical as he is, I mean, he is clearly fearless out there. And it's one thing to do that in the Big 12 or in high school. That's another to do that on Sundays against, you know, a physical team like that. I mean, I I think Zeke said it after the game. I mean, he was going out against linebackers, D linemen, trying to like just run through guys. And and, and that's big because it kind of goes back to the punt return thing, too. Even though you don't take it to the house or or maybe, you know, you only get 10 yards or something, maybe five. Like there there are bigger things that come out of that. You're kind of setting the tone. And, And don't get me wrong. I I do agree, Jory, to a certain extent that 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 play could have been the same thing with the Jalen. I just they get so few turnovers. That's the only reason why I'm just kind of like just go ahead and fall on that one. We're I mean, real quick, and I <laughs> this is going to be a forgotten play, but one a play that stands out to me is that last throw from Kirk Cousins. Like Xavier Woods, if you're not picking that off. I don't know if we're getting any interceptions out of, out of the back. I don't know if you guys remember that, but like Xavier Woods turns and that ball is like thrown right to him by Kirk Cousins. And now they they quickly went away from the play because they were like, I think there's a flag on the field. And they're like, no, it's Adam Thielen's shoe. But like Xavier Woods, that ball is thrown right to him. That sums up the broadcast right well, there. Yeah, the broadcast, that was another level. But uh, yeah. like there's just like, 
there's they just don't have the defensive playmakers to take the ball away on a consistent basis. They have a few, but I'm just like, hey, if that ball's on the ground, go ahead and just just fall on it. Well, that's where the I'll say like the Donovan Wilson making an impact. And we were talking about him earlier. Donovan Wilson has not shown that he can stay healthy, first of all. Uh, but the fact that he, he's making his presence felt, and that's what you were just kind of asking for someone to go make plays. It's so refreshing that Alden Smith, right when he got here at the first of the year, and it looked like a bye week did some good for Alden Smith because I thought Alden Smith had a great game yesterday uh, against the run. Um, but, like, someone to come in and make plays, to be around. Uh, man, Donovan Wilson, that's huge. I'm not saying he deserves a starting spot next year, but, like, thank you, someone in the secondary, for making a play. Thank you. That forced fumble on Delvin Cook is just so wild to me because, like, you just – you have to be wired different than a normal human being because, like, you know when you're about to put that down. That's not a wide receiver or, like, a, a thinner guy. Like, right. he knows when he's putting that hit on, like, I'm probably going to hurt myself a little bit on this too. And you could tell he was even slow to get up. To put a lick like that on Delvin Cook, who, mm-hmm. you know, you could tell was, like – I mean, they put a lot of big hits on Delvin Cook. It just – it was very, very evident throughout this game, the, the Leighton Vander Esch stop. Uh, on the goal line, even though Delvin right. Cook ended up scoring next play. Like, I mean, they were physical throughout this game to a level See that. Leighton's nose. Yeah, right. No, and, <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, we haven't seen a lot of that. Um, I don't know if it's because they came off the bye week. Like, let's see if that continues against Washington. But that was that was pretty refreshing. Like, you just watching that game, I thought I'm from both sides, that was one of the most physical games that we've seen from the Cowboys in a while. And it was refreshing to, to watch a physical game where, and again, I'm not sure all of the Vikings injury reports, and I guess for the Cowboys cornerback, Anthony Brown did re-aggravate a rib injury, but on balance, certainly for the Cowboys, and I think even for the Vikings, it was a physical game that didn't require people getting carted off, and, and we just have seen too many people getting carted off on the Cowboys all year, on the league yesterday with Joe Burrow, so I think that it's nice to be able to see, no, that people can play, like, you can have that play like, uh, Donovan Wilson hitting Dalvin Cook and, and it be clean in textbook and, and not involve a major injury. I mean, no, no, the, no. The, the hit Donovan Wilson had on Adam Thielen that put his helmet right on Adam Thielen's hand. Yeah. I thought Adam Thielen was going to be out for a while and then obviously he comes back, has a great game, has that one-handed catch. But like that was a big play too right there. I thought for sure that Thielen was going to miss a few series and maybe be out for the game because, I mean, it was a direct hit. His helmet right on, right on, on, on Thielen's hand. But uh, yeah, that's... I mean, we saw we saw flashes of Donovan Wilson two years ago in preseason, uh, but now there's been multiple games this season where you're like, you know what? I don't know how the rest of this year is going to go, but it, it it definitely looks like they found somebody that on that back end, and that's the thing. Like, so you have Donovan Wilson back there going forward. You have Trayvon Diggs, Anthony Brown's under contract for another couple of years, so there still are two spots I think that need to be filled probably pretty early in the draft. They need another you know big time corner, and they need another safety. Um, so there is there is hope. It's just what they have to work with right now, going for the rest of the season without Trayvon Diggs. It kind of makes you wonder, you know, how 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 often are they going to be able to keep teams under thirty points with, with teams throwing on them? Yeah, dudes were running free yesterday. That's for sure. There's no doubt about it. I mean, KT, um, how much can you have Rashard Robinson out there playing one on one, single man on Adam Thielen? Dude, they they dodged a bullet there too. That's another way they could have lost the game is on that one. What is it going to take to get the correct R. Robinson active? I'm, I just need to know. <laughs> they activated the wrong R. Robinson. Okay, but look Reggie at is the guy. To, when you look at their lineup, it's got to be difficult when you have and, and John's heard me say this a thousand times. You have Andy Dalton, Dalton Schultz, Amari Cooper, Cooper Rush, 
I mean, you're, you're coming off Jason Garrett into Garrett Gilbert. So if they mess up the R Robinson, like they're working with a lot here, cut them a little bit of slack. No, I'll say, I'll say this. How do we know that he isn't just completely lost in practice to where they're like, yeah, because he could he's make a good three, player, John. He could make three solid plays, but then he also was in. I really felt like last year, that's why we didn't see much of Donovan Wilson, because I felt like there was probably plays like that in practice. Now here, this is how I can have an argument with myself. But we did also see them start Don Terry Poe for seven games and Terrence Steele for nine. Yes. And they obviously saw them in practice. So Nonsense. it's very valid for you to ask that. Well, that's why I was like, okay, great. If we don't see Donovan Wilson starting the rest of the season, that means that someone competed with him and it's a good thing. And then I remember Terrence Steele's on Terry Poe. And when my dad was asking me yesterday, he's like, did you know Donovan Wilson had this? And I'm like, I mean, in the 19 training camp, he was looking good. But then we went to Ha Ha Clinton Dix and Daryl Worley. So yeah, tough to say. Looking for a little more of a known commodity, I guess. Um, I would like to make Reggie Robinson my flex next week, McCarthy. That should, there's some fantasy football nonsense for you. Um, no, Zach Martin. And uh, Zach Martin, for sure. You stay at right tackle. I just slot him in there. Got my right guard in McGovern. My flex is Reggie Robinson. Let him play. He's he's fine. I mean, he KT, might not how be, would you, but how would you, uh, give How would you give fantasy points to offensive linemen? How oh, would they dude, get? you get three points for a pancake. Okay, three uh, points for a pancake. Minus, minus two for a sack allowed. Uh, run play is over 10 yards. You would get uh, a half a point. You know, things like that. Yeah, but what if know. like, okay, but, know, man. but if you're doing it on a run play, then you got to give that to, let's say, like a Terrence Steele on a play that he might have just gotten obliterated on, but things went well because they ran it the other direction. It'd be tough, man. That would hey, be tough. And that's be why tough. they don't let Lyman have, play uh, fantasy football. It'll be tough, but you heard it here first. It will one hundred percent happen. It probably will. You just look at look at the look at tra- the trajectory of just professional sports and how much people care about it. Like, who would be listening to a podcast like this in the fifties? You know what I'm saying? Like, we know so much more now than was ever known before. Whether it be because of social media, because of just the access, things like that. Like, there's just so much stuff out there, and how much people are addicted to fantasy sports. Like, there will be a time when yeah. they'll be like, "Well, we got to have." We got to have these drafts be deeper. You know, we got to have offensive linemen be drafted too. They're they're already working on a fantasy football vaccine because people are going to be too addicted to it. Um, so lastly, so Dalton and uh, Jory brought this up. We got Andy Dalton Schultz here. Yeah, Andy Dalton That's and Dalton John's Schultz. John's naming his child that one. Andy, right? no, it's Andy Dalton Schultz. Who just it just works perfect, just like that. Andy Dalton Schultz. So that was the first time in NFL history a quarterback with the last name. Uh, hit uh, completed a touchdown pass. Who's looking to, that up? Seriously, NFL Research tweeted that out. I thought that was a missed opportunity for the Cowboys' fourth tight end, Danucci Smith, um, a couple weeks ago. No, you can't just make up fake players like that. Not when there's so many good I ones already was, on the team. I thought it was a good joke. Jo- Jory is really obsessed with this. Believe me, I I've I've spent some time with it. <laughs> Who is, what, do you know what any of the other completions were in NFL history uh, with that combination? Because that was the first touchdown pass, correct? Oh, yeah. Who are the other ones? No, this is fun. Or who are some possible ones that could happen, I guess? Um, My, uh, as, if Michael Irvin threw passes, that'd be helpful. Yeah. Um, so is, I'm trying oh, to think of quarterbacks yeah, this... with like last names that sound like first names. Um, uh... 
Yeah, Ryan, Ryan, Matt Ryan. Do you know for a Wait, fact? Wait, KT, you're going to ask this and you don't even know for sure? You're just going to throw something like this out here? Yeah. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Matt Ryan. <laughs> oh, there's yeah. a good one. Okay. okay. That's why I made the joke. Danucci Smith. Like, okay, like if Aaron Rodgers throws to a Roger, does that count? No. They went Rodgers to Rodgers, to, to Richard Rodgers, but yeah. Right. Especially with the, cor- the current quarterbacks. Richard I'm just not Rogers. sure we've got a, a lot of receivers but, whose names start with Garoppolo and Tagovailoa. Gar- Garoppolo yeah. is great. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. <laughs> oh, yeah. So okay. Matt so, Ryan and Tom Brady. Um, Drew, Drew Brees. My dad used to tell us growing up, never trust a man with two first names. Uh, oh, never. Sh- poor, poor Brandon George. I think he's one of the most trustworthy people I know. <laughs> that's why point. you can't trust our producer, Kent Garrison. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, There's got to be some Murray, Turners out there. There has uh, to be some people named Turner out there. Oh, yeah. There are, but no one likes them. Okay. Uh, Fair. Tyler Murray, right? Yeah, that's uh, a oh, good Russell there. Wilson. Russell Wilson. <laughs> kind of more of a dog name. But, oh, they did know. have Russell Wilson throw touchdown passes to Luke Wilson, but it's uh, close they got. Well, no, it's got to be the first name. I understand this, KT. I'm just saying. Oh. <laughs> you already um, said that Aaron Rodgers to Richard Rodgers. Uh, oh not Tannehill. Oh, Rivers. Rivers is now a popular first name, right? Oh, is it? Tony what you been son, looking? Rivers. Have you been looking up baby names lately? Yeah. How many? How many receivers uh, are in the Rivers that are catching <laughs> touchdowns or or first down passes? Whatever. Uh, Rivers Cuomo. Philip Rivers. Yeah. Does it to Rivers. Man, Rivers Cuomo. <laughs> Noted Chargers receiver Rivers Cuomo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We That's should uh, put this. We no, should hold put on. this one to bed. One more. One more, real quick. So how many games do you guys think that they're going to win now? I told you five. Oh, you're not changing? No. Uh, the Vikings are good. So oh, yeah. wait, hold on. Is that five and a tie? We're going five, nine, and one? Or is this a straight up five and 11? Uh, five, nine, and Based two. on what I saw yesterday, I, I'll add one more win to the thing. I think, oh! the ceiling, I think the ceiling is six now instead of five. I think they can get to seven. Raise the roof. Let's go, John. Eight. Eight. Oh, make it eight, John. Wow. Eight and eight, John. Go. Why would I stop there? Why wouldn't I go nine and seven? Okay, we're at three. I think that they need to win this week for a lot of reasons. Like, I think they need the momentum and to be able to prove to us this week. But if they can win Thanksgiving, they're at four. I'm not giving them the Ravens right now, but the Bengals without Joe Burrow, which they probably they had a chance at. And Andy Dalton going back to Cincinnati. Give me five. And then you've got Niners, Eagles, and Giants, and I think they can get two of those three. I think they're going to be motivated. The the thing is, the Niners are so beat up, but I just think Kyle Shanahan's a better coach than you've got here. And so that's why I'm not overly sure. I know, I know. Hey, which of them has won a Super Bowl, John? That's what the Joneses go by. We're not going to talk about that right now. But I I mean, if the Eagles do what they did yesterday and the Cowboys' defense does what it did yesterday and they're playing at home – I mean, remember that 37-10 game here despite the fa- last year, despite the fact that in Philly they couldn't do anything? I don't think seven's out of the question. I think that they need to win this week to get there, though. I would say seven and nine is is their ceiling. I think that's as good as they could possibly hope oh, for. So it's not that crazy after all, John. No, it's crazy. Yeah. It's not going to happen. But I'd say that that is your best case ultimate. That's your top best case scenario. I don't see that happening. I personally think that they'll probably win five. And then maybe if they stay fortunate, Injury wise, maybe six, but um, I mean, and, and hey, five could get them the division. 
you know, That's I crazy. think six gives them a good chance too. And, and, and here, okay. So I think you're being crazy on the whole seven to nine thing. This is probably my crazy take, but again, it goes back to what I said earlier about the league of parody. Like people are going to sit there and act like, okay, so they get to the playoffs and just an automatic loss. Do I think they're going to lose if they got to the playoffs? Yes, of course I think they're going to lose. But also there's something to be said for going in there and you're just playing with house money. Like you're not even supposed to be there. You get to play at home. Yeah. By that time, there should be a full house at AT&T stadium on the, on the trajectory that Jerry's going with fans. So I, I I can't sit here and say that I would be. I mean, it's completely out of the question that they could they could beat a playoff team. I don't think that it'll happen. But there's just a lot of things that would be working in their in their favor. And the fact that okay, so they go in there, they're expecting everyone's expecting them to lose. Who's to say that they don't hang with a, with a, a team? They're just there's not many teams in the NFL that I look at. I'm just like, man, that team's just so. I mean, there's like Kansas City, you know. Uh, yeah. I, I guess I guess. To a certain extent, I don't. I wouldn't expect them to beat New Orleans. I wouldn't expect them to beat Tampa or Seattle or Green Bay. But you know, I, I don't know. If you if you tell me they get there, that means they have to have some good momentum because they they won the division and they they stacked up a couple of wins. But um, I just have seen a lot of people tweet that like, oh, well, we're just gonna get in the playoffs and lose. Like, I don't know. Like, how do you know how do they finish the season if they're rolling and they're playing well? Like, you can't just assume that they're gonna lose. Like, I just think that the parity is, is too great in this league. Jory, thank you for joining us this week. We really appreciate it. Oh, you bet. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Maybe we can do it again sometime uh, towards the end of the season as we go in this playoff run. Uh, for Father John Mashoda, for our producer, Kent Garrison, I'm Kevin Katie Turner, as we've got a busy week here on The Athletic. Everyone be safe, and we'll catch you next time on the next episode of About Them Cowboys. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.